Hi guys, welcome back to a new episode of Horror, Wine, and Crime. We are HWC coming at you with a little bit of pillow talk. No, I'm just kidding. You did have that voice going on for a minute. I know, but if people are driving on their way to work, you don't want them to do pillow talk. That's true. You'll you'll soothe them to sleep and they got to wake up. Uh, so, what's going on, girlfriend? Um, Nothing too new. Really, I had the day off today and I went to the doctor's and then I got a facial and wax from my sister who's in esthetician school. So and then I got tacos for dinner. So pretty solid day minus the doctor's office. But, you know, so she went taco Thursday, taco Thursday. Got to switch it up. You know, I worked. The kids had two snow days. I do not get a snow day. Um I went to the store, then I came home and made burgers for the kids because we had tacos on Tuesday. Oh, look at that. I did. I made shrimp tacos and I bought coleslaw to put on top of it, like restaurant style. Fancy. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And then I said, hey, I'm going to call KK because it's about that time. Podcast time. Wine time. Wine time. They had two snow days in a row. Yep. Lucky, lucky. It wasn't even bad out today. No, it wasn't horrible. The morning was definitely worse, but so I guess I get that. Yesterday, though, guys, Lo sent me a video and she just looked like she was in a snow globe outside. (laughs) Like that someone shook up. (laughs) Coming straight at you from Shelby Township. Mm -hmm. Shelby listeners. Yep. You guys know. It was crazy out there. So I'm going to get into today's story, but Chris is going to tell us what we're drinking. It's our fave. We are drinking our fave of the cup cock. (laughs) What are we drinking? One more time. Am I good here? Cupcake Moscato. I, I definitely messed that up for a minute. Um, no, our classic cupcake Moscato drink. <laughs> Cheers, two decks. <laughs> clink, clink. Clink. I'm debating. Um, should I keep that in or should I take that out? <laughs> I'll just leave it in. Okay. You're welcome, guys. You're it's welcome. After cheersing Dax right after. I mean <laughs> that's just gonna flow right, right, right in there. this is gonna be the one this is it yep (laughs) Phoebe's joining us today guys you can't hear or see her but my 70 pound golden doodles our special guest is watching huh listening she's our special listener for tonight's episode so tonight is it's a little bit of ups and downs um it's an older case I'm sure people's probably heard other people do it. Maybe, maybe not. I know everybody's probably covered it, but it's our turn. Let's hear, we're going to hear your version of it, Lo. So this is the Abe Tinsley case. And it's it's been a 30-year investigation, but answers have been... Answered? (laughs) I was trying to think of a cooler word than that, but sorry, <laughs> it's okay. I snuck in the lame way. It's fine. 
So April Marie Tinsley was born on March 18th in 1980. She was in Fort Wayne, Indiana. But on this day of April 1st, 1988, April was only eight years old. And it was an exciting day because it was Good Friday and it was Easter weekend. So that meant they had a half a day of school. And then also it was kind of a chillier day. It was raining out. The clouds had been brewing throughout the day. But April being eight and no school in the afternoon, you know, how kids are. They just want to go outside and be with their friends. You know, back in the 80s, weather didn't care. People, we just wanted to be outside and play. We didn't care what it was. That's because in the 80s, there was like (laughs) nothing else to do except go outside and play. (laughs) So her mom watches her head down to her friend's house on her bike until, you know, she gets her friend. She's just about there. So, you know, she turns around and she goes back in. But then plans kind of change. After hanging out, I believe they were at a park or, you know, with another, there's a third girl, they're all friends. They decided they wanted to go to the other friend's house. Well, April's like, oh, shoot, I forgot my umbrella. I'm going to run back and grab it from your house and then I'll meet you over her house. And they're like, okay. So she goes and heads back to grab her umbrella. And after time goes by, April does not return to the friend's house. And they didn't think much of it because, I mean, they're kids, right? So they're probably thinking she just went back home. Her mom called her. She decided she didn't want to. I mean, when you're eight and there's no cell phones in the world, because what's that? I can't tell you how many times friends say, hey, I'm going to run home and get this. And then they don't come back. And you're just like, oh, they probably had to stay home and eat dinner. You know, whatever it is. You don't think about it. Right. Uh, But when April doesn't come home for dinner, her mom is now worried. It's been an hour since she's heard from her. So she heads over to where she was supposed to be. And she talks to both the girls and they say, no, she went back for her umbrella, but she never came back. Okay, now they're in big panic. Janet, April's mom, she calls the police instantly. And ever since that, this has been like a nightmare that she cannot wake up from. Now, this is a town where people know people. The community came together real quick. They had about 250 police officers and 50 residents. They all formed a search party. They knew the urgency, and they pretty much knew that this was an abduction. They learned pretty fast after talking with a witness that she'd been seen forced into a battered blue pickup truck. It took place between about 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock. It was a white male in about his 30s. He had light brown hair. The roots were a little bit darker than the ends, and he had facial stubble. I mean, I'm all about descriptions, but, I mean, that's a real good one if you can tell the difference of the hair. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Because most aren't, like, that detailed. So to have that. Yeah, and I asked, too, like, why didn't they do the see something, say something? Like it was rumored that two or uh, that two witnesses seen the little girl like being forced into this car. Why didn't they stop it you know, or say something immediately? So there's been two rumors. One that it was two little girls that seen it and was kind of confused and didn't know really what was going on and was more scared and, you know, whatever. 
And then the other rumor was that it was two women that seen it. But then again, if it was two women, that pisses me off because you know better. Right. Um, but if it was little girls, I guess you can kind of catch a little bit more of some slack, but still you would hope that they would have at least ran home and told their mom, like, Hey, this just happened. This is what we saw, you know, but it looks like he looks like every white dude in the eighties. So nothing really comes out of it, but on April 4th, around three 30, a jogger's breath is taken away when she comes across little April's body. She's found lying in a ditch in Spencerville, which is about 20 minutes northeast of Fort Wayne. And uh, my heart's already aching, and I still have more to go. But so there was an autopsy, and they knew that she was most likely sexual assaulted. She did have on all her clothes, blue jeans, a turtleneck, a red sweater, and one purple shoe. Disturbingly, her underwear was inside out, though, when they were on. So that was their first sign of, like, yeah. So after doing the autopsy, it was verified that she was sexually assaulted and she was killed by suffocation. Also, in some research, it had been stated that there was a dildo that was laying just feet from where her body was found. That is disgusting. She was eight years old. Yeah. Yes. Horrifying. So trying to nail down the exact time of death is hard because the things that I found, some people said it was 24 to 48 hours. Some had hinted that she probably was held captive and tortured for a couple of days. Uh, Breaking it all down, it seems like best guess that she was killed on Easter which she was kidnapped on Good Friday. So that would have been about 24 hours and then moved to the location to where the jogger found her. But here's another thing. They're guessing it was like four hours from the time that she was dumped before her body was discovered. So that's not a very big window to not get caught. Yeah, four hours. Sometimes bodies aren't found for like days. If ever. Yeah, or yeah, or ever. So if you do the fast math here, she gets dumped at 11.30 a.m., which is pretty ballsy because that's like daylight morning. And then she's found by 3.30. Actually, Easter. Or this was the day after Easter. Um, Because I feel like a lot of people would be out. She was kidnapped Good Friday Probably killed on Easter, so probably the next morning is when they found her. So I also feel like someone did some research. Like, they knew life around this time on a weekday in the morning. Like, they knew what's happening in this area at this time. Because, like I said, that's a pretty gutsy thing to just daylight drop a body into the ditch, you know? Yeah. So now it's 1988 in Indiana, and you have to remember, DNA, the testing area in that time, not that strong. Like, they were able to hold and preserve it, but it's not like it is today, you know, with profiles and computers. And But they did send it out eventually to get a profile testing done. And this case gets a lot of traction. So 
Now it's April 11th, 1988, and the police are interested in a 34-year-old man named Everett Dwayne Schultz Jr. And this comes in after a Crime Stoppers photo had been passed around. Dwayne is also telling people he has information about April's death and that they have also seen a blue pickup truck parked in front of this house for several days, several times. So he did have access to the truck. However, he did get arrested, just not for April. After hours of interrogation, he was charged for the molestation of an 11-year-old little girl, which was the guy's girlfriend's daughter that he was involved with. Now, this happened in October of 1987. So that was actually a year before April's case even opened up. But they do take blood and hair samples from him and several other suspects, which are not named. And all, all the samples are tested and sent out. Now, people are starting to talk like maybe is it a devil thing? Is it a cult thing? Is it satanic? But all that stuff is ruled out like pretty quickly. May 24th, Everett is actually acquitted from the other charge and released from jail. And after two polygraph tests that he did pass for April's case, he was free to go. And what's even more frustrating is that all those men that they took the samples from, so there was five guys and they were all inconclusive. So they can't make out a definite match for sure, but they can't say it didn't match either. So that just like, well, frankly, it pisses me off. <laughs> right, because it's like they can't be like, innocent but also like they can't like say that they did it because it's all inconclusive yeah so now the case kind of comes to like a stalemate and it's just frustrating because there's no more leads there's no big action really to be taken right now and this leads april's mom to believe that it's going to be that somebody April knows. It's got to be that somebody that April recognizes because April is a fighter and she was not one of those girls that would just go off with anybody very easily. After that, police still bring in and question everyone on sex offenders lists, anyone that's in, just anyone and everyone that could even be close to a profile that they're looking for was questioned and sampled. Um, they do believe that it is a local resident. That was one thing that they never faltered on. Now, there are a few things that make the police also believe that it's local. One was how quick she disappeared. She was also found in with a couple of days, so he had to know the area. Um, it had to be quick, someplace quick where he could get get to her. And then once he had her, hide her. And then when he was finished with her, dump her like all in day to, daylight hours and not get caught. Like, and then on top of that, two years later, there's a barn not far from where April was discovered. And there was writing on it. And I'm going to read it. Um, some of these pictures that I go through, I'm just going to read like how it's written. So don't think that it's me. <laughs> um, it says, I kill eight-year-old April Marie Tinsley. I will kill again. 
And then in the corner, I don't know if you can see the picture. You can kind of see where it says like, ha ha. Oh yeah. So that, looks ha, like a, ha. that looks like a kid's handwriting, honestly. Yeah. And I, we're getting to that little miss. So ha ha is very light on the door, on the other door. But if you look at it, it does remind you of like a child, like a first grader wrote it. And it was used by a crayon. That's what it was written in. So was it like a challenge person? Was it mentally ill? Was it like, they're not really sure at this time. Still this time, it's only 1990. So pulling DNA off the crayon is still very hard. And it is said that there was more to the right. We can't see it in the picture, but of it, it said, was the other shoe found? I mean, that's like shit, right? Yeah, that's like if, so specific too. And like if raping her and killing her wasn't enough, now you're taunting the family. Like this is just like effed up, like all the way up, like to the tippy top when you can't, you know, like the video says, can't fuck up anymore. Like all the way up to the top. Like, yeah, that's how screwed up this is. Now, police do find a kid witness that he did see someone multiple times the last few days, but the message was getting darker and darker. Hence, going back to the picture, you can see it looks like it started one way and then it was written in crayon, like almost like they couldn't see it. So the person had to go back and trace over it again with a darker crayon or marker. like So maybe he did it in a pencil first or a pen. And you couldn't read it from the road. So then he went back and he had to say, okay, now I'll use a red crayon. You know, like. That's like him being like, I'm proud of this. Like, I may, I want to make a statement. Look at what I did. Yeah. But then again, like, nothing. So then about 14 years goes by. After the bar note. And it's been about, at that point, 16 years since her body was discovered. Some creepy shit starts happening. Notes are popping up in little girls' mailboxes and baskets of little girls in their bikes that's left in their front yards. And it was on yellow paper that it was written on. And then, so the first would have been Memorial Day weekend in 2004. Emily hit. She found a plastic bag on her pink bicycle. She's seven years old. And she brought her mother, who was shaken when she read it, Oh, and there was also a used condom in the bag, too. Yeah. And it says, again, I'm going to read it like the note says, not me actually reading it. These are quoted, folks. (laughs) Hi, honey. I've been watching you. I am the same person that kidnapped, raped, and killed April Tinsley. You are my next victim. If you don't report this to police on, I don't see this in the paper tomorrow or on the local news, or I will blow you, blow you, blow up you. So if you look at, I know you guys can't see it. We'll post some of it on our social, but you can see the handwriting is not great. He spells April's name wrong on the paper. And it's just 
written again, like little kids handwriting. And it's not quite English because it says blow you up, which we're assuming, I say we're as if I was part of the investigation, but they're assuming that it was blow up her house. Because if you look a little bit underneath it, there's some more and it says your house killing everyone, but you, you will be mine. I mean, a seven-year-old little girl's reading this, like, I was on her bike. And then there's two lines. And then you can see, like, a, like initials. So, it, you know, investigators were saying, like, do you think he was about to sign his name? And I was like, oh, shit, I can't sign my name. Um, oh, like he was starting to write. Like, where he crossed off. Like, it looked like MN or, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, whatever. And then some people say the two lines could be a professional mark, like an accountant or a banker or somebody that's used to kind of doing, you know, like scribbles. So, but there was nothing really a hundred percent saying what that means. Um, but if you compare the, you know, they got two of the notes, um, it's just crazy. And then the name is spelled April on one way in April a different way on a different letter. So like, even when he writes it, some of the spelling has changed on different ways. Yeah, this makes me think, I mean, when it first appears to be like you said earlier too, like written by like a, a, a little kid or something, but clearly this person, I feel like, I just feel like they have maybe like illiterate issues or something yeah. to that effect. Clearly they have mental issues, obviously, but um yeah just by the way that it's written and the misspellings and everything like that it makes me think that um you know something else is going on with them and they also said maybe they did it left-handed to try to throw them off okay yeah um or was he mentally challenged because left-handed wouldn't explain the misspellings of the word right unless he was Um, doing that on purpose that's also a possibility um, did like again did he almost sign his name? Why the double line? There's just a lot of questions about these letters. So honestly, at least three similar packages were found by little girls in Fort Wayne around the same time. And it reiterated the same letters, the same way, the same information, the misspellings, the threats, um, the used condoms, which is really ballsy because you're just donating your DNA right now. Um but then again, it's in the 80s, so it's not the same as today. Right. But still, ew. Yeah. Emily's mom, her thing was just like, you know what? I feel like he's he wants to get caught. Like, why else would you do that? Um, so he would also add Polaroid pictures of himself masturbating on a bedspread. And I added the picture of the blanket just so you could see what I was talking about. Because to me, when I look at the blanket, I kind of get like a Days in or a motel, cheap motel type quality bedspread. That's immediately what I thought of. Like it um, looks like a cheap motel type room. Yeah. I mean, I treated you to the Days in, but I feel like it might have been a little bit classier. We were, we were way classier <laughs> at the Days in, okay? <laughs> um, but they were... Uh, they're asking people to look at it and, you know, again, nothing really jumped out, you know, super quick. 
So now it's 2004. And I'm kind of scratching my head like, why Polaroids? But in 2004, even though cell phones were starting to be a thing, um, and cameras were definitely a bigger thing, you know, digital cameras. I The only thing I could think of is like, you don't got to develop the film. You won't get caught. Yeah, if that's he true. Takes, takes a picture of them to Meyer to get developed. And people see, a, you know, pictures of them masturbating. That could be, I don't know if that's considered an offense, but it's definitely sketchy. You know, people remember that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. If they hear about anything going on, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I developed these weird pictures from this guy. So, yeah, Polaroids were probably the, his safest bet to go. So they did try to get a trace off the camera on the film, but no dice. 2009 comes along and the investigation ramps up again. The FBI offers a car team, which is a child abduction rapid deployment. And this brings in all the dogs, okay? When I say they're just missing Reed and baby girl, like, (laughs) (laughs) they have a team, okay? And if Reed was there, it would have been solved real quick. Absolutely. Um, But the team members, um, what the car is, and it's like from the Personal Behavioral Analysis Unit, who are profiles. I mean, is any of this stunning information sounding familiar, guys? I mean... (laughs) It kind of sounds just um, just like this should, crazy show I used to watch. <laughs> they should do a show. They should do a show on it. That would be genius. <laughs> um, and uh, so it talks about like offenders' personal traits, positive motives. They get agents and analysts from crimes against child units, coordinators from National Center of Violent Crimes. They get representatives from Violent Criminal Apprehensive Program. So this is like a stacked team. Like it's like, you know, top dogs. Um, And the name suggests that like it's rapid cases. So it's like non-family abductions, ransom abductions, the mysterious disappearance of children. Um, But they also work cold cases such as April Tinsley's murder. And then the team members also discovered that there is enough evidence, including notes, pictures, DNA, left by the killers years after the murder to make investigators, and hopefully they can break the case. Um, and I got this from the archives of FBI, the government archives news 2009 website. So in the same year of 2009, they also bring in the big dog, the ace in their pockets, Mr. John Walsh. From America's Most Wanted. The GOAT. Now, the GOAT. The GOAT. Just get Keith Morrison and they probably would have just like... They would have solved that him. shit in no time. <laughs> okay. Um, after her story aired, they didn't quite crack the case. But they did get about 50 calls with tips. Mostly from Fort Wayne. They did recognize the bedspread. Um, the notes, the pictures were mentioned as well. Um, Other suspects are mentioned, but nothing really panned out. So now it's another three years go by. And I'm like feeling so horrible for Janet, which is April's mom, because how many times does she have to like get her hopes up and then down and then up and then down, you know, years of nothing and then maybe and then, you know. And then it probably is like even more 
So she probably doesn't get as excited as the years go on because she's been let down and disappointed so many times. But you got to like relive this so much, you know? Oh, yeah. So John Walsh comes back and he does a follow-up. I mean, it's like crazy shit, but now they have 513 suspects. Now that this is a lead. This isn't persons of interest. This is suspects. Like 513. Like, that's got to be a freaking record. 513. How do you narrow yeah. that down? I don't know, but how many people live in Fort Wayne? Is it like the whole freaking county? <laughs> right. Like, so after going through it, they did narrow it down to 81, but that's still a lot of people. So now I also posted a picture for you to see, Kay. Um, this is a computer generated picture after they put DNA in. This is what they kind of considered the profile to look like. Like um, the first one is like when he did it at the time, like 30 years ago, or at, I guess at this point in the story, it's only been like 18 years. And then this is kind of like the one next to him was like what he'd look like aged. Okay, gotcha. It's so crazy how they can do that and how detailed they get with it as well. Yeah. Um, so by this time, they they passed a law even stating like any inmates that go to jail, they would do testing and swabs. And they even, you know, check the old ones. Um, so they wanted to verify he was not in prison already. So they knew he was in prison and they knew that he wasn't dead. So he's somewhere. So now June of 1990, Sarah in Lincoln Elementary School, uh, she was a first grader. She was last seen at 3.30 p.m. on June 13th of 1990 at a pool in Stone Point Village Department where the family lived. She left her stepsister then, who was 14 years old, Tara, to visit a friend in the complex. Sarah's parents, Yvonne Galen Bowker, Boker, told reporters that they doubted that she would go with someone she didn't know. She was afraid of strangers since April's abduction. But they found Sarah's body about 2 p.m. on June 14th of 1990, almost 24 hours after she was last seen. She was left in a drainage ditch south of the apartments, uh, and this was just off Coldwater Road. Her clothes were partially off and suffocated. Her face was shoved in the mud, apparently to keep quiet. But because of the hard rain an hour before, investigators found evidence to connect anyone, no DNA, no hair, no fiber. Like The rain just totally screwed everything up. According to the chief deputy prosecutor back then, Fran Gall, uh, witnesses reported seeing an elderly man near the pool and another elderly man emerging from the weeds where the searchers had found Sarah's body. Now, Sarah and April, they were about the same age. They were both on. They had both had been abducted um, and found later dead in ditches. They both were molested and killed by suffocation. In Sarah's case, the alleged killer could never go to court because he died in January in 1994 in South Carolina. Even then, executing the case, it could have been tough. Those investigating said in 1995, 
they believe that in March 2nd of 95, that they had identified late Roy Hensley as a suspect in the poker case, but people tried to tie him to April's murder as Hensley's 75. He died and he had known Sarah for about three years. He spent money on her. She even called her grandpa. He was known publicity and a juvenile cares or mystic and could quickly get to know another person's life, like just in conversation, like real quick. He was also a very huggy, touchy man, which uh, that's really creepy to me. I know, especially knowing all the details around it. Like, uh, yeah. A Fort Wayne woman who wished to remain anonymous told the five that she said Hensley stopped attending church in Spencerville after officials um, congregated and asked him to stop associating. Now, the anonymous woman told the Gazette that in December of 92, she suspected Hensley had molested her daughter. They fought and Hensley moved south to where his family and friends were. He was known to have emphysema. So he did die of lung problems in December of 94 and was buried in Highland Park Cemetery in Fort Wayne on February 1st of 95. In 95, though, an Allen County prosecutor, Robert Geeve, Geevers, Geevers, no, just kidding, Geevers, <laughs> called this conference and announced that officials on his staff and in the police department believe that Henry killed Sarah. Detectives and deputy prosecutors met the day before an announcement and decided that there was not, oh, there was enough circumstantial evidence to close the case. Now, Gievers thought it was important to identify Hensley as the killer, even though he died less than 14 months before. People who served under him in 95 said the notebooks had very little evident value and that the evidence was circumstantial. We had physical evidence tied him to the individual crimes. Now, it was doubted in 95 that Hensley had, if he'd still been alive, that he'd be prosecuted. They just didn't believe that there was enough evidence to prove he did this to April as well. The accusations against Hensley didn't sit well with some of the family. His daughter, Susie, um, she just on the news and said her father was a suspect, and she told the Sentinel that the investigators were just settling on the easy way out, embarrassing situation. So basically just trying to nail it on somebody who's dead and just so they can close the case. Um, the Hensley family was actually considering a lawsuit at that time. Then people tried to make the connections between Hensley and April, but both prosecutors and detectives, lawyers, everybody, they declined to say whether Hensley was a suspect in April's death or not. However, the public said that the cases were connected. Now, Dr. Phil Sognesi, Sognesi, sorry about the name mess up, but long last uh, name. Yeah. He <laughs> died in 2001 in Allen County. He was an Allen County coroner and who had done the autopsies on both girls. And he claims that he believes that it was the same person who did both of them. Um, there was just too much similarity between the cases that if they had enough evidence, they would have to say that Roy Hensley did kill Sarah. And he believes that he also killed April. Hensley's son, David Hensley Sr., 
And a woman who lived with Roy Hensley for several years told the Gazette in 95 that I knew both girls, both April and Sarah called him grandpa. Now, David also claimed shortly after the announcement about his father that, you know, he paid for part of the burials for both girls, according to the new senator, Senatal. And he said that his father carried pictures of both girls on his keychain and visited the graves of both of them often. So that's kind of just weird in itself. Yeah, raises um, red flags, definitely. Because if you didn't do it, I would kind of like stay away. That would be my thought, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, but then there was rumors that, you know, Hensley was a serial killer. Uh, now, Janet, April's mom, she tried to like squash it. Like, no, I don't think it's a serial killer. Um, even though she was unhappy about it, she said that in May, she can see why Hensley would be the likely murder of Sarah because they didn't know each other but Hensley would go and buy toys and clothes and all that kinds of stuff and he'd give them to Sarah she said but she didn't believe that for April because she never seen any of that stuff so where is the stuff if he was giving it to April as well she's like I never seen clothes or toys I never even met the man and I certainly would, would not let someone I don't know buy that kind of stuff for my little girl now, Janet believed that Hensley assaulted or killed April. Uh, Janet said that she talked to the Boker family and only one time when they came to the funeral home during April's visitation, but a lot of people did come to that memorial. And in a little more than a year after that, um, Boker's saying that her family had to deal with the death of another daughter. Sarah's sister, Tara, on September 10th of 91, committed suicide from a prescription overdose. She ingested 30 pills of antidepressants, um, taking on the toll that it was basically saying that she thought it was her fault that, you know, what happened to her sister, even though it was not. Oh, that's so sad, especially for the parents to lose both. Sarah's mother told was that shortly after the case was closed, he believes Henley, Hensley not only murdered Sarah, um, but he molested Tara, which also contributed to the suicide as well. Wow, that's so messed um, up. In 2005, a genetic testing scientist kept trying to get permission to test the DNA for some stupid ass, no good reason. Nobody would let the scientist test the DNA. So in 2009, she got tired of asking and she just said, you know what? I'm just going to ask for forgiveness for permission. And she ran the test anyway. And what do you freaking know? A profile popped up. Now, profile from the kit matched another profile from the condom, which was a major breakthrough. It took years. So now they have a little bit closer idea of who would be April's killer. So the FBI put together a profile on April's killer, and he was determined to be a preferential child sex offender. Now, what that means is it's a long-term sexual desire for children. In this particular case, it means that he had sexual desire for little girls, usually between the ages of 5 and 10, um, but mostly the girls cannot 
have hit puberty yet. Oh my God, so gross. That is so disgusting. Yeah. Um, which goes back to proving the evidence of the seven little girl, little girl that he left the notes for on the bicycles and in the mailboxes. Now, that does not mean he can't have sexual desires with grown women. It is just an overwhelming desire and fantasies that are more focused on young girls. FBI says he could still be married, but a high percent rate shows that he may not be when it comes to this type of sex offender. He acts on relationships that bring him close to little girls. He might date or befriend somebody that has young girls in their family or work at a place that brings him close to little girls. They also noted that he may be drawn to places where children congregate. So parks, swimming swimming pools, basketball courts, any place that little kids would go to hang out. He may socially be awkward when it comes to adults his age. He may feel more comfortable around kids, and that's because he prefers kids. Now, the public is usually convinced that once a suspect kidnaps, murders, rapes, kills, the chances are that they're prone to do it again. But when it comes to a preferential sexual desire, it's not all the case. Sometimes they can live up to, live, can't live up to that expectation. So they do other things to try to satisfy it, which is like a peeping Tom, looking through windows, um, Indecent exposure, leaving notes, sexual toys, and anything inappropriate um, for children to find. The FBI also stated that he either lived close or away or he worked there. He was definitely connected. You probably would walk past him like in a grocery store. You might sit next to him in a movie theater, at church, probably standing behind him in a grocery store, and you would never even know it was him. The profile, they profiled him as 40 to 50 years old, white male, circumcised, worked or lives near Fort Wayne, and he was right there in Allen County, and they also said he probably had a poor income. The case did go cold again, but then finally, after 30 years of searching for answers, investigators experienced a significant break in the case. The Fort Wayne Police Department submitted suspect's DNA into the Parabon nanolabs, which I don't know if you remember, but we did talk about this on another case. I think it was the Alicia case that we did. This, um, that does sound familiar, the nanolabs. Yes, I believe that was, was it the... Abby Hernandez or no, she, no, Abby was a survivor, right? Yeah. So I think it was the Alicia case. Okay. Um, I think they did it to try to age her to see what she would look like now because she was still missing. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that that's okay. the one. Go back in to listen to the <laughs> Fact check us, people. <laughs> so now, um, so the Fort Wayne Police Department DNA, and then five months later, Burns genealogist C.C. Moore, she was able to use the public genealogy databases to narrow down the suspects in just two days. 
ammunition I was saying earlier, but you know. Um, she narrowed it down to two people, and wouldn't you know they were brothers in Wayne. Um, but after looking at both the brothers, they moved on to John D. Miller. He moved in in the area in 1980, so that'd be a few short years earlier. He had a job rap. Um, he went to a boys' school. He was in juvie for sexual assault. He had a, an attempt of abduction, but the kid fought back in general way. He didn't have an adult record, 2003, 2002. He was in trouble a little bit for just making lewd comments to women in grocery stores. Uh, neighbors and people in the area said that he always looked angry. He was a loner. Um, they didn't see him much, but when they, he was hanging out at softball diamond down the street where the little kids played. Again, going back to where kids congregate. So, ew. Yeah. And, uh, his brother did confirm that he was bullied in school. Um, he was a loner and he did not work well with others. Um, the two pictures, you guys can't see them yet. But I just wanted to show Crystal. This is the dude that we're working with right now. Um, I can confirm to you all that he is scary AF <laughs> to mm-hmm. look at. So picture definitely fits the description. Yeah, those teeth, right? <laughs> those teeth. <laughs> so detectives pulled um, some trash outside the trailer of the 59-year-old Miller and according to probable cause of an affidavit filed by the Fort Wayne police, three used condoms that Miller had allegedly discarded were found among pool trash. And what do you know? They matched his profile genetically. Found in April that he left in the condoms with her and the notes in 2004. Got him. Gotcha. On July 5th, Martin and his colleague, they paid Miller just a little bit of a visit, just a little bit of a visit. And they asked him to come in. Six days later, um, they go up, they bring him in, and they ask him, you know, our and Miller quite simply said, April Tinsley. Oh, now. So he was like, yeah, yeah, I know why. I- Okay, you got me. You got me. Uh, during the ride to the station, John talked about loving cop shows, crossword puzzles, um, his rights, and then they asked him, you know, that's when they asked him, sorry. I wrote it in my notes twice, people. Sorry. <laughs> You're um, good. Why they were interested in him, and he said, April Tinsley, and they're like, eh, you think? You think that buddy, do ya? They're a little shocked, you know, like, why go straight to her? Because, you know, a lot of reasons why we could be knocking on your door. Right. He um, was a creepy motherfucker. So he could have said, said probably uh, other people's names. You know, they say, why Tinsley? Like, ah, I saw the America's Most Wanted. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So out of the thousands that they do, that one still. But all right. We'll, we'll play your game. Let's do it your way. Um. <laughs> So it didn't take long to confess and learning that they will have DNA to match him. So, I mean, say what I say, but we pretty much got gotcha. you. Yeah. 
Uh, so he goes into detail. He did not know April or the family. He, he wanted a kid to kidnap. And he wanted to kidnap a girl and he wanted to rape a girl. So he went out looking for the suitable child. Ugh. I hate the way they word this, but yeah. it was his words. You know, I can't make it up. Right. Um, and she was a perfect target. She's, fortunately, it sucks because her timing was so bad because if she would have been five minutes later, five minutes earlier, he might not have. But the sickening part is it would have been somebody, you know. Right. Either way, if it wouldn't have been her, it would have been somebody else. Yeah, and it doesn't make it any better. Right. Um, so he was standing by his car, which in the beginning it was said as a blue truck. He now they're saying um, it was a car, not a truck. Um, and he had a letter opener and he told her to get in. She begged him not to hurt her, to follow what he said. Once he got her home, he sexually assaulted her multiple times before choking her to death. He was let go. He was scared she would talk. So he had to kill her. But then he waited and there was nothing on the news. So he went to check on the body, still there. So he was like, okay. And he realized one of her shoes was in the car. So he tossed it out of the car across the street from where her body was on the other side of the road and then drove off. Um, then he wrote the stuff on the barn. He said, man, you know, like that stuff on the barn there for two months before anybody said anything or even seen it and it's just like sorry to disappoint you bro yeah it's like he wanted to be like he wanted to make news for this and he could have made it a lot easier and just came into the police station and just told us yeah (laughs) exactly 30 years earlier um he did say he went out looking for another girl but the right opportunity uh, was never available I guess the community was filled with too many people. It ruined his game. So the rest of Miller came as a shock to many, including Mr. Town Council President Wilmer Delarange, who often rubbed shoulders with him at the local inn. Miller told police in a very sordid detail of his crime. Um, again, just talked about trolling the streets and just he's an open book now. He's at all. Um, and yeah, and finally dumped her body on in a ditch off of County Road 68 in DeKalb County the next day. On July of 19, 19th, 2008, he was brought before the Allen County Judge John F. Surbeck, and they went to trial. Janet said that she was numb. She can't believe that it's finally here and that this is happening. As Miller stirred feet from Tinsley's family, Judge Sirbeck charged him with murder, child molestation, and criminal confinement. He now narrowly avoided death penalty, but was sentenced to 80 years in prison with no chance of appeal, which Tinsley's family ultimately found agreeable. There are questions in this but it would have been difficult for the family to hear some of the things Mr. Miller talked about, and he'll do the rest of his life in prison. The family expressed concerns about the justice, and to me, prison is where they want him to be, and I'm okay with that. 
Janet says they can sleep at night. They finally have a little bit of calm. And she knows that April is up there doing the happy dance now that he has been caught. In recent years, the cold case like Tinsley's have been solved as DNA, the genealogy technology advance. Um, for example, after 40 young, long years, the same thing that helped them catch the Golden State Killer, um, which was solved in a you know very similar fashion. And also at, just by going through the suspect's DNA in their trash, like this one. So people, if you're committing crime, put it in your hands. We got you now. Right. Um, they said that this technology helped solve about 230 other cases um, these days. On December 7th, 2018, he was found guilty. 50 years for murder, 30 years for molestation. Ashford Miller will be released from the Newcastle Correction Facility on July 15th, 2058. It'll be six days after his 99th birthday and 70 years after the murder. Janice said get closure when he dies, but until then she gets peace by visiting the memorial garden that people have helped create where she can go and sit for hours and think of her baby girl. Wow. It's so disappointing that it it was one of those cases where it took 30 years to solve, but it's also like to look at the positive bright side, at least it got solved. Yes, and I want to show you something. Um, okay, did it pop up? Do you see it at the very picture? Wait. You might have to refresh <gasps> your... Oh, my gosh. No. Okay. I was so not that expecting is, that. That is a picture of the dildo that was left by her. And normally, I'd be like, okay, a dildo is a dildo. Like, whatever. Oh. She doesn't need to dildo. But you notice the little metal thing? This is a very weird random one. This one actually has a crank on it. That I was going to ask. I'm like, what is the the little mouse tail thing at the end? Yeah, it's a crank. That's. So, like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever. That's the ever. weirdest freaking thing I've ever seen. I mean, seen. I've never seen one of those in Lover's Lane before. Or, you know. No. Well, Lover's Lane is probably old school. These kids probably go to, like, Sorella's or something. Adam and Eve. <laughs> The crank. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. Isn't that just like that's disturbing? Terrifying, disgusting. All the, the whole things. the whole thing is just like it makes me like so pissed off and sad and disturbed, like all at the same time. Like, and I didn't post the... a picture of of April for you. Um that's the sad part too. Like, like, as I'm, like, doing the story, you just see this poor little girl, and you're just like, oh, my God. Like, she I can't. Poor, so innocent. Like, she just was running home, playing with her friends to grab an umbrella. And this. On Easter weekend. Like, yeah. she was going to color some eggs and get some chocolate bunnies, and they had a half a day of school, and you're eight years old. Like, that's a fun, exciting weekend, you know? Right. And this sick individual like truly twisted and sick had to go and like ruin her life and her family's life forever yeah there are like i said there's a lot of different um if you guys ever want to listen to interviews from janet um other podcasters have, have this, um there are 
interviews with her. It's on YouTube. Um, I got a lot of my information from ATI.com. Um, there's another one called where Sarah's information was the journal gazette.net. So it's out there, um, all the information. And it's just, it's, it's so sad. And I'm still, you know, I know it's been 30 years, but I still send that little vibe of peace out to Janet because I don't know how you ever move on from losing a baby, you know. Yeah, not only losing her too, but also in the manner that she got lost. I can't even imagine having a child and then knowing all that stuff that they went through when they were just like so young and innocent. And having to go through it for 30 years. Yeah. And it wasn't like 30 years straight, but just anytime you just give up, then they're like, oh, but we found this, but then no leads. And then it's 15. Years. Oh, you might no, not quite yet. Okay, and another six years. It's just like, oh my gosh, the world's worst roller coaster ride ever. Yeah, like up and down. I mean, not too many high ups, obviously, but just to get that little piece of like hope, and then for it to just be ripped away so many times over. Yeah. Only word I can think of to summarize this story is just disturbing. Like to its core. Yeah. Um, I did not type up the paper because I'm a slacker. Okay, I'm really not a slacker. We just had a very busy week in this household this week. There was people, there was um, oh yeah, I passed a kidney stone. Yeah, that'll, that'll um, slow you down. <laughs> there was work, there was husbands, it was just chaos and so I'm <laughs> shit. Knocked over my TV. There's a lot going on over there on Lowe's end, I see. Oh my God. <laughs> I can I hit my desk and uh my my uh TV fell over. <laughs> I need a bigger desk. Um but as I say, so um we have a couple minutes left, so I figured me and Crystal can just wing it. Um I text her and told her girlfriend uh, you need to watch the hitchhiker welding hatchet man oh and i did and she did and she was like smash smash smash, <laughs> smash. <laughs> um i it's a new one on netflix i did not hear of him apparently it was a thing back in the day um a brief synopsis is this guy supposedly saved a lady's life from a crazy dude. And then he became local hero. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel wanted him. There were people wanted to buy him surfboards and give him money. He could have had like anything he wanted. Everybody wanted a piece of the man, right? He was just like the sensation. And then he commits murder to an old man. He went viral, viral. And then viral, viral. and then spiraled, spiraled. I mean, this is before TikTok and Vines. This was old school viral. You know, okay. this was YouTube viral. Okay, <laughs> the first kind of viral. <laughs> it seems like if he wasn't psychotic and crazy and like peeing everywhere on everything. Yeah, he peed um, more than dog pees on things in the public fancy area. Ass, fancy ass restaurants, and he's like peeing. He pees on the Hollywood Star. Like seriously. Yeah, like, he was he was definitely a character for sure. 
And then there was rumors that he got the guy high and like hallucinated and then he killed him. So the guy might not have even been that crazy. He could have just been because he admitted he laced the drugs with something. Like, it's, I don't know. I recommend watching it because it's interesting. Yeah. But my blood pressure was going up as I watched it because I'm like, why are you so flipping annoying and doing that? Like, your whole life could be like, on, he could have been the surfing sensation that he wanted to be. Yeah, I think that he obviously had mental illnesses going on along with drugs and alcohol. Obviously not a great uh, triple combo there, but he definitely ruined, obviously, that old man's life. But, like, his life and the future that he could have had, you know, he could have had, like, a freaking sick future. He could have. He could have had a big impact, but uh, he he decided to take a different route. And watching the interview, like Kimmel, you could feel feel the awkwardness through the TV. Yeah, I do have to say, and I know one of the guys in the documentary said it as well, but Jimmy Kimmel is very, very good at like swaying the conversation when it gets weird or awkward. Like you could just tell like because yeah. the guy was just super unhinged and jimmy like handled it like so well uh it's crazy people but that was one that i recommend it's only an hour and a half long but you know give it a little whirl it it went from like you know most people say drop day zero and get with the hero well he was like went from a hero to being the zero yeah he went in the opposite direction for sure <laughs> It's definitely a wild, uh, wild ride watching the documentary because this the turn that it takes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thank you for that uh, recommendation because that was insane, and you guys definitely need to check it out if you haven't already. Yep. So that was my recommendation of the week. Snaps, snaps for Lowe's wreck, guys. <laughs> I know what Crystal was probably doing last night. What was I doing? <laughs> I assume that could be wrong. It was the season premiere of the new Bachelor came out. Oh, I didn't watch it yet. I'm going to. Normally, I would watch it with my mom, but so I'm I'm probably going to watch it with her. So I'm I'm saving it. But and guys, I, if any Bachelor fans out there, this guy, this guy just looks so boring. So I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. But anyway, well, they did say they did say. I know I got like a couple minutes left before we get cut off. Um, that. This guy is taking love. He doesn't drama and more focused on the love, not the drama aspect of it. Boring. I don't care. I'm not the person that watches that show. I could go off on a rant. We have two minutes left. I could go off on a rant. <laughs> like I'm not I don't watch the show for love purposes. I watch for the drama and the thrill. And he is going to bore me to tears. I just know it. But I'm still going to watch it anyways. I was like, maybe I'll watch this one so I can actually talk about it with Crystal. Because she always talks about it. And I'm like, I don't know, girl. Watch the boring one that I choose to run. But but Peacock did release, I think, some more Jersey Shore for me. So I'll be able to catch up a little bit on this. Because it looks like they were showing part of uh crazy asses wedding and i don't think i've seen that yeah you're way behind they already just 
a new season just started this week also so yeah, you're like so you i might be able to catch up on some of that yeah. i got tomorrow off so or no sorry saturday damn it, i was thinking today, today. Oh. <laughs> if only <laughs> but well um thanks for listening sorry it was a little bit of a longer one but we gotta go stay creepy bye bye